pop, fizz, clink, sit back and enjoy. Bubbly Thoughts poured by your host, Melissa Bromley. Hi, and welcome to the Bubbly Thoughts podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Bromley. Let's pop, fizz, and clink our way into some good vibes today. Today, I was honored to have a very special guest and dear friend on the show with me, Tara McDonald. Tara shared her insights on married life in your 20s, as well as how children are receptive to learning. Believe it or not, even if you are not a teacher like Tara, or have children of your own just yet, the skills she discusses are entirely applicable to any age. You don't have to be a child to want to continue learning new things. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of Bubbly Thoughts with my dear friend, Tara. All right, T. Hi, thanks for coming to Bubbly Thoughts today. Thanks for having me. How are you, friend? Do you need a refill, more snacks, anything? I am good to go. You have filled my belly with cheese and crackers and honey. I am happy, happy, happy. Good, I'm happy you're happy. So everyone, this is one of my very dear friends, Tara McDonald. And I know Tara because we have a mutual best friend, Kristen Bauer. Tara grew up with Kristen, basically, and I met Kristen in college. We were both 80 pies. Kristen is actually my best friend, Caroline's little. For those of you who weren't in Greek life, that basically means you're paired up with a mentor, also known as a big, when you first join. So that's how I got to know Kristen. But then we grew even closer after college because we both lived near each other in Orlando. And ironically, that's how I got to know Tara because they were roommates. And Tara and I were both in Kristen's wedding. And I'm so thankful because Tara, T-Money, T-Dog, I just love ya. <laughs> So a little background for why I have Tara on Bubbly Thoughts today. So she married her high school sweetheart, what, three years ago, two years ago? In 2016. So wow, so this year it'll be three years. Yep. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And Tara and her awesome husband, Ryan, obviously got married in their 20s. So we will cover married life for a 20-something and also... Tara is a dedicated teacher, and I have her here to also talk a little about teaching and how children are most receptive to learning. So, T, first question. How different is it being married versus just dating your significant other? So for Ryan and I, we were together for eight years before we got married and six years before we got engaged. And for us, dating was a lot of long distance. We went to two different high schools, but we lived in the same town, obviously. And then we went to two different colleges. So for us, dating was all about communicating and having clear expectations and just making sure that we were on the right page, knowing that we both wanted the same things and that we were headed in the direction of marriage because that was ultimately both of our goals. So I think when you're dating, you just have to make sure that you are being clear about you know, what you're looking for and wanting the same things and that you're setting yourself up to have a successful marriage and that you know once you're married that your goals, they may change, but that ultimately you guys are looking for the same things. And then once we got married, we still had lots to learn. <laughs> we dated for eight years before we got married, so you'd think, oh, maybe you have it all figured out, but you definitely don't. <laughs> Marriage is all about just service and sacrifice. You spend a lot of time 
you know, you're figuring out how, who's, who's going to do the dishes and who's going to vacuum the house and who's going to do, who's going to take out the trash and everybody kind of has their different roles and you also come in with, you know, well, what did your childhood look like? What did, who did those things in your house? And then adapting, you know, where you've both come from to fit roles that you know, work best for y'all's marriage. When we took our marriage prep course, one thing that we learned that I think has been the most helpful is that marriage is not 50-50. It's two people giving 100% all the time, which, you know, is, it's tough. It's a lot of, you know, serving somebody else. So you want to make sure that when, you know, you are dating that you know the person that you are with has that servant heart and that they, you know, are, that they love well. Because all the other things that, you know, people are looking for. Oh, I want someone tall. I want someone who loves the same things that I do. When you're talking forever, those interests change and people's looks change and everything can change. So you want to make sure that you find somebody who loves well, both while you're dating and that you know that will continue throughout, you know, for your, into your forever. Wow. That was, okay, you covered so many things that I also agree with like honestly like so many things that I think are aligned with what I believe and what could make a good marriage or make a marriage work or Mm -hmm. even so with Cam and I we're not married but we live together and we've lived together for ever now like I think like (laughs) five and a half years like a really long time and it is so true that it's important to stand your ground on what you want to do and what you don't want to do and then also be willing to adapt like so you were talking about stuff like taking out the trash and doing the dishes or like who does the cooking or you know all the different chores that exist who does the laundry and stuff it's like I think it's so important that if you're going to be committed to someone that you don't just pretend that you like certain things or that you're willing to do certain things if you just genuinely don't like to do them like if taking out the trash grosses you out be like listen if the trash grosses you out too I understand but can we like go 50 50 with the trash like exactly all about the compromise yeah it's I think that's really important to establish and to not just give in just to like make the other person happy but it's you know also important to compromise be adaptable you know, and be willing to understand where they might be coming from too. So amazing points covered. The, the other thing I wanted to talk about is something that you mentioned, which I don't think I've actually talked to you about before. And that's, you said the marriage counseling before you got married. So would you recommend that to anybody who gets engaged and is looking to spend forever with someone? Without a doubt. After we got engaged, we picked out our venue and set the date. And then before we did any other planning, we found, um, we went to our local church and took a premarital course that lasted for 12 weeks. And it was Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., which doesn't sound hard to wake up for and make it to every week, but it is earlier than it sounds. Um, and you, we got put into a group with people right around our age, and then we had a mentor couple. So every week there was an hour, um, there were different lessons, you know, money, religion, just every week had a new lesson. And you would listen to the lesson for an hour and then you had an hour of small group and getting to chat with the couples at your table and with your mentor couple as well and it really gives you a chance to dive in deep they ask you know the they ask hard questions and you and your significant other get to you know make sure that your views are aligned and that you're on the same page and 
with things that maybe you haven't talked about before. You know, money's awkward, so... It is so awkward to talk about money. If yeah. you've never, you know, been on the same page about money before, or you don't even know what page your significant other is on, it, it takes a lot of, you know, work to figure out where they're coming from as well, because families handle money so differently, so your significant other may have, you know, grown up with a total different view on money than you did. So all those kinds of things, they give you a workbook and really have you just make sure you know what you're getting into and that, you know, your expectations are matching because at the end of the day, that's, you know, going to keep you from having a lot of problems. If your expectations are the same, then you're, you know, you're going to be a lot smoother sailing So, okay, what's your favorite part about being married? For me, my favorite part is just having a partner. You know, I think marriage was designed so that you didn't have to go through things by yourself. You know, so as important as it is to find somebody that you're compatible with, at the end of the day, if you find somebody who loves well and has a servant heart and you know lives to serve and you are both doing that and you're both giving 100% like that person is there to be your helper and you're there to help them and you know you don't have to go through things alone so having a partner in life and through all things and really marriages helps you to grow as a person so you you have a mirror (laughs) you get to see all of the good, the bad, and the ugly about your mostly yourself, because they really marriage can you know bring out things in people that you didn't really know they were there. So it gives you an opportunity to grow, and it teaches you how you know, how to love more than you think that you love the person the most when you choose to get married. But every every year and through every trial and tribulation and all the happy moments, you know, your love just continues to grow. So I think the partnership just gets better over time. So do you, a lot of people say that the first year of marriage is the hardest and now you're, you're getting closer to three. Do you feel like it was kind of the same thing for you or do you know other people who you would say it's pretty consistent that like the first year is really freaking hard or is it, more like, is it more like you think potentially later might be more difficult for you? So right after, so Ryan and I are planners, mostly me. I'm a big (laughs) planner. So after we got married, we were living in an apartment that was only like three miles from his work. So intentional because we were going to get a puppy and then he would be able to come home from work, you know, and let that puppy out. And within four months, Ryan ended up getting a new job. And three months after that was going to be moving to Tampa for a year for job training, which meant me and puppy were going to be moving back in with my parents for a full year. So you really cannot, <laughs> you just really can't plan out your life the way that you think it's going to go. So our for, within our first year of marriage, we were back to long distance, two hours apart, and I was living with my parents, who are wonderful, but you're talking three adults, you know, three married adults living in one space, and now a puppy. That, and I had, my parents, you know, we had grown up with dogs, but this was the first time that I had, you know, my own dog, and training a dog and, you know, living with a dog 
it's a whole new set of craziness. So I'd say our first year of marriage was even more different than most people. So our second year of marriage, I think, was even like more of a trial just because it'd been we had been living apart. And so a lot of the things that you might have done in your first year, we did not do until our second year, like figuring out, you know, I mean, he was living in an apartment, you know, and he had a different roommate. So it was almost like we were back in college. And then the second year was when we were living together full time, we bought a house, and we kind of started over on figuring out, okay, what do chores look like? What is, you know, balancing your time look like time is, you know, the biggest commodity that you you have to give to people to your work you know your energy and your time like where do you spend those and so being aligned with that you know how much time is important for you to spend with friends what kind of time is it going to take to go to the gym cooking dinner all those kinds of things so we did a lot of the first year of marriage things in the second year and it just it's a lot of intentional effort to figure out how to make all of those things work that's really important I think for people to know is that like everything when it comes to a relationship, I think especially a marriage when it's the real full commitment is that you have to be intentional with what you're doing. Like it's not just going to come naturally. It's not just going to come easy all the time. Like we're, I mean, we're busy people. We just keep getting busier. I know you're a busy person. Like you dedicate a lot of your life to, you know, helping youth become smarter and better people. I mean, like it's, and obviously like you guys have, a great group of friends and you have good people that you surround yourselves with and you know good families and stuff so it's it's so important that you be intentional in a relationship because if you don't then I think that's when things can go awry because it's like even though you're married you still have to make an effort to compromise or spend time together or actually take the time to talk to one another about how their day actually went. I feel like that can be something that's so easily thrown away once you're like, okay, we're together forever, but you still have to be intentional, which is such an important thing that I think you covered. For sure. One thing that we have started in the past couple of months is having a set date night. Because it's easy to say, oh, we spent quality time, we sat on the couch and watched TV last night. And depending on your love language, you know, you may have been, maybe your physical touch and you were holding hands and, you know, you felt really connected. I am, quality time is my number one love language. And so for me, sitting on the couch watching TV is not quality time. Mm -hmm. So I need to know that we are spending intentional time connecting, that it was planned for, and that, you know, we really made time for each other every week you know regardless of what your week looks like if if you're too busy for your spouse you're just too busy (laughs) you need to cut some stuff out for sure no that's a good way to think about it okay so what advice would you give to 20-somethings who either want to get married in their 20s or who did get married in their 20s I think the most important thing to recognize with marriage is that change and in life is that change is inevitable in both you know you and your spouse so you may have picked a spouse who loved football as much as you love football and 10 years down the road maybe they can't stand watching football anymore (laughs) so you want to make sure when you're dating that you're looking for you know the right things the things that are going to last you don't want to pick you know the person with 
you know, brown hair because one day that hair may turn gray. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be pretty disappointed if the only reason you married them is for that pretty brown hair. So just picking somebody that you, even if they, or not even if, but when they change, you're still going to love them through those changes and knowing that you choose that person. And every day you have to wake up, you know, and choose your spouse and choose to love them and choose to show them love and to serve them and making sure that you're not giving the 50-50, but that you're giving 100% every day. I like that. I think that's really good advice. So, okay, the other topic I wanted to go over with you is your profession. So, you are a teacher. I am. What made you want to become a teacher? So, back in the day when you would go to Blockbuster on Friday night to check out movies, I found Matilda and I was so obsessed with this movie, and I would rent it literally every time, and my mom's like, can we please rent a different <laughs> I was movie. obsessed with it too, for sure. Like, I'm 100% was on your page. So good. And so, um, I, ever since I saw that movie, was just dying to become Miss Honey. And when I got older, I started babysitting, and I just love kids. I've always loved kids, and I kind of assumed that everybody who had kids you know, loved all kids, and the older I get, the more I realize not everyone loves all, you know, other people's children, but I just love spending time with kids, and I love getting to um, see growth in them, and kind of see their passions come to life. You know, I teach first grade right now, and when a six-year-old finds something that, you know, they really like, or that they can connect with. It's just a really awesome feeling seeing that light bulb come on for them and seeing the connections that can be made um, in their minds. It's just so exciting. That is really cool. I never really thought about it like that. Like actually seeing like the light bulbs go off. In first grade especially you go, it's first grade such an in-between year. So you you get this group of kiddos that are more like kindergartners. They're kind of, you know, they're really little and um, they're having a hard time doing things independently. They've been in school for a year, so they've kind of got their routines down. And then in January, they come back from Christmas break and it's almost like you have second graders. So it's just such a big jump. They'll come in being able to read maybe a couple of sign words, maybe a small book. And then by the time they leave, they can pick up a chapter book and start reading it. So knowing wow. that you get to have an impact in that is just so fun. No, it's that is by really far cool. my favorite grade I've taught. That's really cool. For I remember liking first grade a lot. I don't know if I remember being like as like transitional as that, but yeah. that's first grade was the cool year because you weren't quite a baby anymore. Mm -hmm. But so what other grades have you taught? I know you've told me, but I forget. So my first year I taught kindergarten and <laughs> it was <laughs> So much fun, and I love the kiddos so much, but you have uh, you have so many stories. But honestly, if you can teach kindergarten, you can teach any grade, including adults. Oh, my goodness. Including adults. Including adults. That's interesting. If you can get a room of five-year-olds to meet your expectations and do what you ask them to do, it's, it's like being a miracle worker. <laughs> <laughs> you're like a superhero. Exactly. If you had another adult come in, you'd be like, okay, go ahead, control the room. It'd be... I, it should be a show. It should honestly be a show. Sending people... Kindergarten teachers? Yeah, exactly. Or no, sending people into classrooms who, you know, um, like a CEO. 
Okay, you get to go and try and manage this group of five-year-olds, and let's film it and see how it goes. And it could be a clock, a race against the clock, see who can last the longest. Yeah. Like bull riding. <laughs> oh my god, it is. Wait, that's really funny. It's like undercover boss, but... Exactly. That's so funny. Undercover teacher. Undercover teacher. What, so what, um, you've taught kindergarten, you've taught first. I taught kindergarten, and then after I taught kindergarten, I did a, um, four or five combo class. And 11-year-olds, man, they are challenging in their own way. I remember there was a bunch of jerks in my fifth grade class. Oh my gosh. The kids, like, think they know everything. It is, I do not pull energy from teaching an 11-year-old. And they smell, oh my gosh, and they come back from recess, you're like, oh, yeah. what is that smell? It's because they're turning into, like, a middle school I almost. know, it's huh. crazy. I had one try and add me on Instagram, and I was like, I'm done. I can't. I'm done here. <laughs> what is happening? And then I moved back to first grade, and I've been there three years, and it, I just love it. It's the best grade. That's awesome. That's good to know. First grade. It's the right grade. It, it is. Yeah. Not for everybody, but for me. <laughs> for Tara. So is teaching what you expected? It definitely is. I think at the end of the day, when you boil down what teaching is, it has not changed. But how you do it and then the requirements outside of teaching in the classroom, obviously, change a lot from year to year. Um even from school to school. So people who, you know, get burnt out, there's a lot of things that, you know, are required of teachers outside of just actually teaching your class and getting to connect with them. But at the end of the day, the teaching aspect is definitely um, what I expected. So let's talk teaching theory. What are children most receptive to in the realm of learning? So teaching, I think, for kiddos is literally the same way that you would teach an adult. So say you needed to learn um, to change a tire on your car. First off, you, you would have to be applicable to you. I am not interested in cars in the least bit. No. But when I was turning 16, my dad said I would not be allowed to drive until I learned the steps to changing a tire. So I was very motivated <laughs> to learn those steps. And at 16, I could have told you how to change it because the way my dad taught me was hands-on. I got to actually do it myself. And we went step-by-step step through, you know, the process of changing the tire. And before you could change the tire, you needed to learn the vocabulary and the pieces, you know, that were required to do the job. So once you'd had your background knowledge covered, you knew the vocab, then you started with the hands-on, you know, and being able to practice. Now, the problem is, when once you've taught something, the person may have it down, but if you don't practice it or it becomes no longer is applicable to your life, you tend to forget. So now at 26, I have no idea how to change it. <laughs> I'll be on the phone with AAA. AAA, please help me. Immediately. So when it comes to the kiddos and how they learn, you know, we want to make sure that it is interesting to them or that they figure out how, how this applies to me. Why do I need to know this? You know, and that's with any person. You know, if you go to a training, you know, you want to ask your boss, why do I need to know this? And they have to make sure that it's something that is applicable to you and that, you know, you're interested in or that you need to know. And then you need to figure out what are your students' learning styles. So are they visual, 
Do they, are they auditory? Do they need to hear it? Are they kinesthetic? Do they need to move? Are they tactile? You know, do they need to experience it with, you know, hands-on? So everyone has a different learning style, but through teaching, you can really incorporate all four of those with any lesson that you're going to teach. And then you need to make sure that the students have the chance to apply it and practice the skill no matter what it is or practice, interact with the information and the knowledge regularly so that they can you know, move the information from their working memory to their long-term memory. I have a dumb question. Yes. Do you, okay. I'm sure it's not dumb. Is it, it just might be, but is there, is there like, is there like a group of people who have experience teaching who could teach things to teachers? Does that make sense? Like, is there anybody who could like train teachers on valuable skills like that? Because I think you would do so well because that made so much sense to me. And I can't even imagine the impact that would have on like somebody who actually teaches children. So um, the, uh, I went through UF's ProTeach program and the teachers that, you know, our, our professors had all been teachers before. They were, they're wonderful. And you have your master's, don't you? I do. I wonder, I don't know. I think you could teach people how to do things like this. Like, honestly, you, you just get it. Like, you understand from A, experience, and B, like, you care about people and, like, especially children because the children are our future, as the late Whitney Houston said. So, I mean, it's, it's just, I think that's something that's really valuable. And I think, like, anybody who would be coming into teaching would really value from understanding that whole concept that you just explained. I mean, I valued from it, and I'm not even an elementary school teacher. <laughs> well, anytime you want to explain something to somebody or help them to, you know, learn something new, it's pretty much the same, you know, the same principles. We all learn in similar ways, and, you know, you had those professors in college who they would just lecture, mm-hmm. and how much did you gain from that? Mm-mm. You know? I don't even much. remember their names, exactly. yeah. The not ones who, much. like, didn't give me life skills that like stuck with me Mm -hmm. like memorable things exactly personalized things Mm -hmm. which is exactly what you're touching on so that's the hard thing too about you know you have a class of 300 yeah that's true I mean you can make it applicable to you know the age group that you're teaching to yeah and try and make it relatable but it's hard to teach 300 kids like a big group yeah and especially ones that are like adults too Mm -hmm. that would be kind of like a different ball game but but you do wonder sometimes you want to look and be like would you find this interesting? Right? It's like, <laughs> what are you, you even here, here for? listening to yourself. <laughs> like, who, who approved this? Right, what advice would you give yourself if you were a little student here? <laughs> listening. Has anybody listened to this in a while? Did they tell you that this was amazing? Exactly. Like, exactly. Uh, well, that's okay. I'm glad we got to cover something that I think probably not a lot of people think about. But I think it's important to talk about because I, I have a lot of friends who are teachers, And I think it's a totally underappreciated career field. Personally, I have a connection to education. Both my parents are in education, have always been in education. So it's something that I can really appreciate. And I think even in the sense of, you know, some some of our friends in our 20s and even early 30s, they're going to start having children. Most of them eventually are going to start having children. So it's kind of important to understand, you know, how children might be receptive to learning or maybe the different things that you could do to help support, especially, I think, elementary school teachers, you know? One of the biggest things that I wish 
that parents fully understood, and I'm not a parent yet, so, you know, I can't really speak on that, but when my, this kiddos enter my classroom every year, first, I know that every child was put into my room for a reason. I know that we are going to be a match for each other and that there's a plan for why this child is in my class, whether it's to teach me something or for me to teach them something, but in some way we are going to impact each other's lives. And I want to tell all of the parents that we are on the same team. You know, at the end of the day, we have the same goals. We, you know, want the children to feel loved want them to feel valued, you want them to grow, you know, grow confidence, and you want them to leave the school year, you know, prepared for the next school year. And that's the ultimate goal is that we're on the same team and that we're working together to achieve this and grow this little human, you know, and it's, it really takes a village. <laughs> so you need to be on the same page and that you're not working, you know, against each other, but you're working with each other. If I could have been a kiddo in this day and age, I think I would have really benefited from having you as a teacher. Seriously. Well, I think I would have loved to have you. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, a pretty good kid. I, like, talked a lot. I did talk a lot. Like, yeah. I talked with my friends a lot. But I was, like, I was excited to learn. Yeah. I was, like, a, I would say a pretty Most decent first student. Most are pretty excited. So that part, or, like, they're happy to be there, and that's one of the things that I love about teaching first grade is that they're excited to see you. They, you know, even when you're like, oh my God, I was so mean. And you're like, I love you. And you're like, oh good. <laughs> I'm glad. It's because they know at the end of the day that you care. That's all that matters. You know, you even the, even the tough ones, <laughs> you wind up being like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. And I'm going to miss you. <laughs> exactly. Eventually. Eventually. A, a year, a year goes by pretty quick, I feel like, right? Oh, it goes by so fast. We're coming up on the hundredth day, which means we have 80 days left after that. And it's like, where did... I always come back in January and it's this panic of, oh my gosh, I only have five more months with them. I have so much to teach. That's so crazy. I know. It it's is. like ugh, putting it all as best as you can into what kind of isn't a short amount of time, but what feels like a short amount of time. Exactly. It's like the teacher guilt. You know, everyone talks about mom guilt. It's like the teacher guilt teacher in guilt. January, like, oh my gosh, I haven't done enough. And then you just, you, you jump back in and you try and make the most of every day. No, that's awesome. I'm glad we covered both of those topics, too, because I think both of those were really important. But, okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to get into the fun stuff. Alrighty. A.K.A. the pop quiz. <laughs> How do you feel, Teach? Feel ready to be I, pop I, quiz? I don't know. I haven't taken a quiz in quite a while. Oh, no, you're going to be great. This is fun, I promise. It's easygoing, and there is no such thing as a wrong answer. So, all right, first question. If you could name an adult beverage for yourself, what would it be? Ooh. Recently, I have been loving on a gin and tonic with grapefruit, so. Have you really? Yeah. So good. If you go at Buster's Bistro in Sanford, it has gin and tonics on tap. <laughs> you can. I didn't know this about you. I mean, so what's weird? Sorry to totally interrupt you right no, now. No, you're fine. What's weird is I, like, never had, like, an affinity for gin in the past. Like, yeah. But it actually tastes like Christmas. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's really yummy. Like, it's an interesting, it's better than vodka, I think. I think so, too. But it, it's just so refreshing. Yeah, it's, like, 
And you can pair a lot of things with it. And I like, I kind of like the same kind of thing. It's flexible. Like I like citrusy kind of drinks. Me too. Or like minty kind of drinks. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that tastes good with gin. Exactly. You can do cucumber with it. You can do fruit with it. So a gin and tonic on tap. I want to go to this place. It's amazing. Okay. All right. And they let dogs in. Even better. This is like my favorite place now. (laughs) Seriously, we should, after this, we'll talk about when we can go because I really want to go now. (laughs) So, all right. Next question. If you were someone famous and needed a stage name, what would it be? So I'm super attached to my name and I'm used to being the only Tara in the room because it's just not a super common name. And my parents added an H at the end of it. So you can never buy, you know, the keychains or anything. Oh yeah. Is there a story behind the H? Um, not that I know of. It just just, looks prettier. It looks more feminine. They just liked it, but, um... Both my parents are pretty Southern, and so my mom made my middle name Lynn, and she was hoping that it would be, like, one name, that it would just be Tara Lynn. Okay. So I think my stage name would just be Tara Lynn. No last name. Tara Lynn. No last name necessary. That's really cute. I feel like you'd be a country singer. I, that would be the hope, but Lord knows he did not give me <laughs> those you can You can learn, I promise. It would take a lot of lessons. <laughs> Even my mother would agree to take a lot of lessons. I think you could do it. I have faith in you. I do. I think you could do it. Define quite the coach. With a name with a name like Tara Lynn, I think it's I think we it's possible. Name. Now we just need the skill. It's pretty. That's actually really pretty. So wait, I know your Savannah. Does her name end with an H? Savannah's name ends with an H as well, but Brie, um Brianna doesn't have an H. Doesn't have an H. Nope. Does it end with an it's just A? A. Okay. And it's Brianna. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, just curious. No, but she always has gone by Brie. My mom wanted her name to be Brie. Just Brie. my dad said, we're not going to name our daughter after a cheese. <laughs> so, I would be honored. They're just all about compromise, y'all. Brianna was the compromise. Brie, and Brianna is also pretty. Like, they're both pretty. But she's Brie. Like, yeah. She's exactly. Brie. She's Brie. Maybe it's because she's only ever been Brie to me. But right? <laughs> she's Brie. She's Brie to me, too. All right. So, next question. If you had to change your career and you were paid whatever amount of money you wanted, what would your career be? So when I was younger, I really wanted to be a magazine editor because I thought it would be so cool to get to, you know, try all the samples and write an advice column and just live in that kind of world, you know, high rise in the city. And I figured there'd be a lot of, you know, just fun young people in the office and it was, you know, my dream when I was probably eight or nine. And um, recently I learned about a job called the child life specialist where you work with um, kiddos in the hospital. And I think that would be a really, really rewarding job that would let me, you know, work with kiddos and just also, you know, be a bright spot in their day. So I think that's really awesome. And I think that would be something really good for you. If like, you know, money was no object, whatever, if you didn't have to go back and get a degree for it kind of thing, because I'm 99% sure you do have to have like at least somewhat of a clinical degree I related. I so too. You have to, um, there's certain certifications. Like something, I mean, you could do it. I mean, hey, if down the road that ends up being something that you might want to do, like this, this is possible for sure. But if you ever feel like in the interim you wanted to do like something kind of similar to that, you know, there's like always volunteering at the hospitals too. And I don't know, I don't know what the requirements are at the different places, but there's always something like that. So for sure, something over the summer. Yes, summer, because you 
have to do something over the summer. I always <laughs> well, forget that. You don't have to. You could sit on your couch and lay with your puppy all summer, but <laughs> that is true. That is true, half and half, something like that. Um, oh, okay. I love this question because I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. If you could eat anything for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ooh, um, anything Italian. So pasta, Parmesan cheese, mm. olives. All, I love olives too. Oh, Do you have a preference olives. on olives? Green olives. Okay, no black? I, I don't dislike the black olives. I just prefer the green olives. Would you prefer if they were blue cheese stuffed green olives? I, I like blue cheese stuffed olives, especially in um, my dirty, a dirty martini. martini. But I love feta stuffed olives. I don't know that I've actually had a feta stuffed olive before. The Fresh Market has an amazing olive bar with feta stuffed olives. So after a hard day, thing oh of olives, glass of wine, some pasta, I just can't go wrong. Oh my gosh. It doesn't have to be a hard day either. It could be a great day. Just be, yeah, we can <laughs> celebrate with some feta stuffed olives. <laughs> exactly. That sounds really good. They are That's, amazing. I might have to go to Fresh Market after this now because <laughs> that sounds really good. Okay, so this question might take you just a little bit longer, but what are five things that you can't live without not including people? Not including people. Does my dog count as a person? Nope, you can definitely include Maverick. Okay. Maverick would be number one. I hate to admit this, but I am, my whole life is in my cell phone. Me too. I don't know what I would do if something happened to it right now. I would be screwed. Between my calendar, my contacts, you know, the whole thing. Mostly my calendar for me. Like, if I lost my calendar, I'd be like, I guess guess this is it. I guess this is (laughs) the end. Like, (laughs) what do I do today? I don't, like, I literally wouldn't know. I am very, very big on sleep, so a comfortable down pillow is something I cannot live without. Is a down pillow, is that goose feathers? Mm-hmm. Is that what that means? Yes. Okay. Is that, so is, are those the ones where you, if you have a pillow fight, it actually has the feathers come out? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually owned a down pillow before. I've tried like the Tempur-Pedic type pillows and they're just not for me. They don't have the same um, effect. I just love a good, squishy down pillow. Down pillow. Mm-hmm. I feel like growing up, like, you know how when we watched, like, movies and stuff where mm-hmm. pillow fights happened, and, like, obviously the feathers fly everywhere, and I, like, right. had pillow fights, and I was like, okay, this where hurts, feathers? and there's no feathers, <laughs> so this sucks, like, life destroyed. <laughs> this is, uh, expectations were not real. For sure. Um, Ryan always makes fun of me because when I climb in bed at night, I'm like, ooh, yay, can't wait to go to sleep, and yeah. he's like, you look forward to sleep more than anyone I know. <laughs> Camp, literally, he knows. He'll always be like, oh, you're tired. And I'm like, yep. And he's like, you ready to lay horizontal? It's like <laughs> laying horizontal is my favorite part of my day. It's the best part of the day. There's nothing like getting a good night's rest. No, nothing. Nothing like getting a good night's rest. Okay, so Maverick, phone, pillow, and these are five things I cannot live without. Cannot live without. Cannot live without. Is food allowed to be one of them? Sure. Some kind of food? No one said that yet, actually, I don't think. So I actually kind of like that answer. That's funny. What kind of food could I not live without? It is pasta lame? Not like, at all. I, no, there's nothing <laughs> lame about pasta. It's like the best thing you could have said. Or I, pizza. Pizza would have been my number one, but that's fine. Pasta's right Ryan up there. Ryan would be right there with you, but I'm a <laughs> pasta girl. Oh my goodness. Um, and I think number five would be my passport because I love to travel and go to new places and I'm not overly picky about where the place is. 
That's, like, strategic, too, so you don't have to just stay on an island with your five items. Oh, right. <laughs> you can, like, bop around. Count me out for that. That's so smart. No, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I would like, I love, Italy is my favorite place, but I would, I don't, do not discriminate against traveling anywhere. Even, you know, small-time USA, I think everywhere has a lesson to learn and something to offer, so would definitely need my passport. I like the passport one. That's yeah. a really good one. Good to think about. Maybe I should rank it above pasta. <laughs> nah, it's fine. <laughs> Wait, okay, actually pasta. What, do you have a particular kind or do you just like all pasta? Um, I really love all pasta. I'm not a huge fan of angel hair and spaghetti, but other than that, the bow ties are obviously adorable I love bow ties. and delicious. Oh my gosh. Recently we started eating bonza. Oh Which yes, the chickpea pasta. Wait a minute, did did Shannon turn you onto this? So I found it before her, not before her, but before she introduced me to it. Okay. But she, her obsession has definitely increased my obsession for sure. We've had it almost every night that she's lived with us. I I have like I can totally relate. She's the one who introduced it to me. Guys, background. This is another mutual friend. <laughs> You'll meet her at some point if you haven't met her already. But so she told me about it too. It's this like it's. Pretty much what I've been able to find as the healthiest form of pasta, and it tastes mm. really good. It's it made out of chickpeas, so it's protein, it's like fiber. Yeah, all the good stuff. And I have like an entire, like, like I bought like an entire, I think I bought like 10 boxes, like a bulk amount on Amazon Prime. And it was like a reasonable price to buy yeah, in bulk. Very reasonable. So. And very delicious. And good. Worth the switch. You don't have to feel so guilty. <laughs> I actually think it's worth the switch too, and I don't always feel like that when I switch to stuff, so. Because sometimes you do it like for health reasons. This, you can do it for health reason, but the taste is, you're not sacrificing any taste. I completely agree. That's so cool. So, okay. If you had a million dollars that you had to donate to a charitable cause, what would it be? And you can only pick one. One cause. I'm sure there are a million that I would love to choose from, but my um, my sorority's philanthropy is called Reading is Fundamental. And as a teacher, I feel like reading is just the key to success. When you read, you know, you are expanding your knowledge, you can travel to new places via a book, or you can, you know, learn a new skill. There's so many options with reading and teaching kids to read and even, you know, teaching adults to read, adults who, you know, don't know how to read. It's so important that everyone learn to read so that they can have, you know, opportunity to learn and to grow and to try something new and, you know, be the best version of themselves. So, I love to promote literacy through a massive donation to Reading is Fundamental. Well, that's good. That's a good one. So, if you could offer advice to someone new coming into your career path, what would it be? To find your, um, find a mentor and to cling to the people who are most positive at your school. You know, there's always going to be people who like to complain about going to work, regardless of the job, you know, teaching, banking, whatever it is, there's going to be people who don't necessarily want to be there every day and surrounding yourself with those people makes for a very, very long day and a long career. So finding those who are most positive and choose to find the joy every day in their job, regardless of the circumstance, cling to those people and learn from them and, you know, make it your own. Positivity is key, people. All right, this is the last question in the pop quiz. So 
If you could ask me anything, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. What's something you've been asked before? A lot of the time people are like, why'd you make a podcast? If I'm being honest, that's the first thing. <laughs> it's normal. That's understandable. Um, what would be the five things you cannot live without? Oh, nobody's asked me that before. First okay. All right. Good question. And I actually can be, I can honestly say I haven't like, I haven't pre-planned this. I haven't thought about this. So, okay. The first thing I would pick, and it would have to be an unlimited supply of (laughs) champagne. Judge me. I know that sounds like fake, but I swear. Now your unlimited supply, is it one brand, one type, or is it variety? Oh, that is a good question. Well, I always say, like, my last day on earth, like, champagne would probably be, like, Vuvv or Dom, but, like, I don't want to get sick of, like, one of those. So that's a good way to think about it. Okay, like, if I had to pick, like, my top five favorite brands, like, money is no object, not, like, normal, not not my normal life. <laughs> not what you put in your shopping cart on a Friday? <laughs> not what I put in my shopping cart on Friday, unless it's a really bad week. Um... <laughs> Vuv is my number one favorite. I just think it's awesome because it has notes of almonds at the end, and there's something I just love about almond notes and anything. Like, I always can pick it up, and it always ends up being, like, my favorite kind of thing whenever I can taste an almondy kind of note in something. Um, Mum is probably my second favorite, and I experienced actually going to that vineyard. It's in California. Have you... Did you go there? I have not been there. I have been to Domaine Chandon, but not to Mom. So we went to Domaine as well. I think that would probably be my number four, though. My number three would be Schromsburg, which is another, it's again, also in California. And I loved the experience there because you went into an actual cave, mm-hmm. like underground, and I was just like blown away. It made me love the whole process of it even more. So that would be four. What would be my, and I said Chandon was my fourth. Mm-hmm. What would be my fifth? Lamarca has been annoying me because they keep upcharging because everybody keeps buying it. So what used to be $12 is now $16. And I don't like that. That makes me not frustrated. Not on board with that. <laughs> I'm not. That is, I don't understand why they did that. What's, oh, 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 oh. One totally underrated brand. It's called Groot. Mm-hmm. Groot Brut is a good way to go. And it's very affordable. It's like $15 at most. Like, it's not an expensive brand. I mean, unless, I don't know if there's some high-end version of the brand, but I buy that, like, $12 to $16 bottle, and it's very good. Very dry, and that's how I like it. So that would be... I like the rhyme. (laughs) Did I rhyme? Yeah, what was it called? Group? Group Brew. Group Brew. Yes. cute. It's super good. It's super good. Okay, so that would be my unlimited supply of champagne, but, like, nice mix. What else? Let's see. And it can't be people. Gosh, that's really hard. I know, oh, isn't that hard? I would probably say, like, my Spotify. Mm-hmm. Like, Spotify. Right, like music. Music, I feel like, is such a big part of my life. Like, if I'm in a bad mood, if I'm in a good mood, mm-hmm. like, music always seems to be, like, something I need. Um, I would 100% need a combination of Amazon Prime, Netflix, and Hulu. <laughs> because I watch way too much TV. I will be the first to admit it. Like... As much as I love to read and as much as I believe in connecting with people, I love shows. It gives me life. Like, I will be honest. And I feel like I learn a lot about myself through shows. Let me tell you. So, three things. What show are you watching right now? What's your number one? If you had to pick one. Like, that is on right now? 
Or if I had to pick my number one of all time. No, no, no. Right now. Not your number one of all time, but something that people can find on Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon right now. Right now would be The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I have heard such good things about that. Have you not watched it? I haven't watched it yet. You know who made it? Who? The Amy Sherman Palladino. Oh! The Gilmore Gilmore Girls is my ultimate favorite show. So, (laughs) well, you are going to die when you watch it because I... So her and her husband Mm -hmm. made it. They're both, like, involved with it. But what's cool is, like, I didn't know that when I first started watching the show and my best friend from home who introduced me to Gilmore Girls I happened to be watching it with her and I was like you know I guarantee if like this existed before Gilmore Girls that mm-hmm. Rory and Lorelai would have watched the show and then sure enough we saw the credits roll and we saw that like, Wait a minute. Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband who sorry dude I don't I don't know your name <laughs> but but when I saw that, I was like, that gives me goosebumps because it's you can totally tell. You will love it. Watch it with your mom. Oh, I'm so excited. If your sisters haven't watched it yet, like, I'm telling you, you will absolutely love it because I know you love Gilmore Girls, too. So, okay, that would be – so that's, like, yeah, my, like, number one show right now that I'm watching. I was watching something else recently, though, too. So that's on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. What have I been watching on Hulu? Oh, this is, like, embarrassing, but you guys know this about me at this point. I've been watching a lot of The Real Housewives, but that's not, like, exclusive to Hulu. Which one is your favorite? New Jersey. Really? I like the Orange County better. Orange County's my very close second. Yeah. Like, if I had, for the longest time, I said Orange County, but then recently, like, New Jersey has gotten so good. Like, so stinking good. I like them all, though. I don't think I've seen any of The Real Housewives that I haven't liked, yeah. but if I had to pick, I'd pick New Jersey. What else? I'm trying to, so I tried to cover all the bases here. What's on Netflix that I've been watching lately? I watch a lot of The Office, but that's not like exclusive to Netflix. Um, I know you like scary things. Have I you love seen, scary things. I'm not sure if it's a show or a movie, but it's called You, and it's about <gasps> the guy from Gossip Girl. You guys. I'm so glad. We haven't talked about this? No. Oh my God. So. I saw the commercial and I'm so intrigued, but you know I would be a big old baby and would be not able to sleep after I watch it, it. So I'm like, okay, tell me what happened. So I read the book. It's based off of a book. And there's All a the sequel to the book. All the best shows and movies are. Based off of, F- right. And I thought that when it first came out, like I saw a preview that it was going to be on Netflix. Mm-hmm. But apparently, this was a long time ago. And when they were showing the preview about it being on Netflix, it was going to be on Netflix in different countries. So when it came out in America, it was coming out on Lifetime. Still good because I could watch it on Hulu. I have this like right. way to watch some live TV on Hulu. But it okay, so the book was captivating. It is so freaky, but so good. It's entirely from the perspective of a stalker. It's from his perspective. From correct? his perspective. And is, is it a movie or a show? So it's a show. Okay, it's a show. It's it they turned it into a series, which was really cool, which I love when they do that because the book like had a lot to it. To it, right. That if they condensed it to two hours, I feel like they would have cut out a lot of stuff. Right. So I also really like who they casted for the show. I watched it like twice already. Mm-hmm. Like I watched it when it was on Lifetime and now in America it's on Netflix. So when it came on Netflix. the whole series. Twice. <laughs> yeah. I might watch it again. It's so good. So the book, like I remember, I don't even know how I stumbled across the book. I might have just been like scrolling through Audible uh-huh. and like that was a recommendation because uh, Audible knows I love like horrifying things. So <laughs> I'm like listening to it and it was... I think the most disturbing part, and this is kind of embarrassing to admit, was, like, there are moments where in the book you, like, relate to him. Like, there are moments where you're like, yeah, wait, no, 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 no. No. Like, (laughs) I don't want to be like you. (laughs) Yeah. 
it's freaky. Like there were definitely moments where not, and a lot of people right now who are watching the show are mm-hmm. like, why am I so attracted to him? Right. And for me, it wasn't, I was never attracted to him in the book. I was more just like, there were moments where I thought he was relatable, which is so crazy, but humbling because it kind of like makes you think that, or it makes you realize that even like we might not even realize people's tendencies that we know the best. Like we don't really know people as well as we think we do. It's also crazy. But no, the we're, show we're is all so human. Good. So we're all human. It is so good. It is what I would one hundred percent recommend it. If you're gonna watch it though, because I know like you don't love scary stuff, and a lot of a lot of people I know don't love scary stuff, and it is like it's intense. Mm-hmm. Watch it like with Ryan, or take it like in the daytime. In the daytime. <laughs> And just, like, make sure if you're going to watch something after that it's, like, something happy. Like, Friends or Gilmore Girls. Or Gilmore Girls. Like, (laughs) something, like, warm and fuzzy. And you'll be fine. So, anyway, okay. I think that was, like, only three things that I mentioned. What else? I have, like, this weird obsession with, like, my app to Nordstrom Rack. That is is gold. (laughs) Like, it's... Have you... Do you ever use the app? I do not, but I also try very hard not to not to shop too often. It's dangerous because they, just like how Amazon Prime, like if you use the app, uh-huh. it already has your information stored. So dangerous. It has it on Nordstrom Rack. So like, I'll see like, oh, that blouse is 20 bucks. Oh, that those pants are only 30 bucks. Like I could buy it all. And then by the time I'm racking it up, I'm like, oh God, it's $160 and I'm one click away from getting it all. <laughs> like it's, And it'll be here tomorrow. You know? Seriously, it's like, what's your, the best deal that you've gotten off the app? From Nordstrom Rack? Uh-huh. Well, what's cool is, like, most stuff is, like, 58% off. Like, a crazy number off. Because it's, like, you know, it's not necessarily, like, what was the most present in-season thing. Right. So I'm trying to think of what I bought. Oh, I bought a pair of shoes. I want to say they were Steve Madden. And they should have been something like $78.00. And I got them for under 20 bucks. You just wanted to scream it from the rooftops. I literally was like doing that like happy dance. (laughs) I was very happy. They're like just a cute brown wedge, but something that like I still own. Right. Then they've lasted for years. So it was totally worth the purchase. Let me tell you. It just keeps you coming back. Keeps me coming back. (laughs) So what would be my fifth thing? What's something I literally can't live without? Hmm. I mean, I love food too. Oh, Uber Eats. Oh, that's a good one. So then like whatever I'm in the mood for, I can just have it delivered right to my door. So convenient. Wherever my door is going to be. Right. Am I on a deserted <laughs> island? Am I in Europe somewhere beautiful? Like Uber Eats. That would be my fifth thing. So yeah. Okay. I think that wrapped everything up. It did. I love it. Yes. And thanks for asking that question. You're welcome. I hope you guys enjoyed sitting through that. I know that took a long time, <laughs> but... All right, I think that's about it for today's episode. T, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. So much fun. I'm glad you had fun. You were a great, great little guest. And to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed getting to know Tara. Thanks for joining me on this edition of Bubbly Thoughts. Cheers, and as always, stay bubbly. 